following is a presentation of the Belly Up Sports Media Network. And welcome in, everybody, to another episode of the High Low Sports Podcast. We appreciate you all joining us here on this Wednesday evening, or if you're checking us out on one of your favorite places to catch podcasts, it is DJ joined as always by my co-host Kelsey and Kelsey. We're getting towards that end part of summer where football's about to kick in. The baseball home stretch is going on. We got the Women's World Cup. We got a lot going on. So there's a lot of money getting thrown around and a lot to talk about today. Oh man, there's a lot of money going everywhere right now. Uh, that is for sure. It's it's, it's a you know it's it's almost loan season for uh, for college kids. You know what I mean. <laughs> Uh, you know, that time when you get your returns from your refunds, from your loans, and you're like, oh, man. Well, this is that for every 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 athlete out there. It seems to be, uh, here you go. Here's a paycheck with a, a blank spot on it. Go 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 see what you can do. Uh, it's been absolutely insane to watch. But a lot of fun stuff happening. Nonetheless, a whole lot of teams fighting for playoffs positioning in baseball. And then you got, like I said, Women's World Cup has been absolutely surprising, to say the least. Except for the U.S. Women's National Team. That's been less surprising so far. Uh, but you know what? I'm gonna I'm not gonna hold my breath because at this point in time, I, I can almost expect anything to happen at that World Cup. I think you can never rule them out as well, too. A little bit of a shaky start, but that could lead to a strong finish as well, too. And you know what? I think that's a pretty that's about as good of a way as we could go to go and se- segue into our opening segment, also known as the tip off. And the tip off, of course, brought to you by SeatGeek. Use code Belly Up Sports for twenty dollars off your first order. Get yourself some tickets to whatever fun sporting event or concert, any other thing that you'd like to go to. Use, once again, code Bella Sports for $20 off. And you know what? It's the summer of Barbie. It's the summer of Taylor Swift. It's the summer of the Women's World Cup. So we decided, you know what? Let's go and start this segment off. We're going to go and look at, we're going to go and talk about the ladies here. And we're going to talk about our favorite female athletes, top five favorite female athletes of all time. We're going to go down the list for each of us. And Kelsey, I'll go ahead and let you lead the way. Who are we looking at for your top five favorite female athletes of all time? So number five, I might be cheating on this list. Uh, who's who's surprised, right? I start this out with a cheat. Uh, but you know what? I think we all respect her. She is a former athlete, but we all love her as what she, her current job is as an announcer. That is Doris Burke. Doris Burke is my top five favorite female athlete of all time. She may not be an athlete anymore, but you know what? I don't care because you're an athlete on the mic, and that is what I care about right now. Whether it be men's ba- basketball, whether it be women's basketball, doesn't matter. She is absolutely fantastic. I love I love hearing her call a game. And honestly, she probably provides the best analysis out of anybody on ESPN for the most part. While it technically goes probably against what we're looking for, she does have an athletic background, but no one here is going to argue against Doris Burke when it comes to anything. So you can't really go wrong with picking her when it comes to just about any of these things. So you know what? I guess it fits, even though it's a little bit cheating. But you know what? Who's got, no one here is going to argue. I was about to say, when don't I cheat on a list, really? I mean, I've done well the last couple, the last couple of lists, so... Felt like I could finally break this one out and, and save my big my cheat for a big one like this. You know what? It's a, never never going to sell you short when it comes to finding a way to cheat the list. But you know what? That's a good way to kick it off. So that's my number five. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just go ahead and knock out number four while I'm at it. It's Sue Bird. If anybody doesn't know who Sue Bird is, Sue Bird one of the best passing players in the, in, in, in the game. I'd say men, or, men or women up there in the likes of John Stockton with assists as far as just a quality play. Let's not forget, though, she's also an all-time scorer. She's an all-time leader. Of women as well, and I mean, look, it's been fantastic to watch what Super did in the league. Uh, unfortunate to see that now she's retired, but you know what? We got to watch her greatness all, all around. Um, one of the best point guards to ever do it, whether it be men or women. And I stand by that. I don't think I, should, I, I can't. I don't want to differentiate really between men or women with Super because she really. I mean, obviously, yeah, we're going to talk athleticism. Fair, 
But you know what? In the me- mental side of the game, one of the best minds for the game that you've ever seen. So I uh, absolutely love Sue Bird. So she's my number four. Honestly, when it comes to uh, when it comes to Sue Bird, I think she's about as synonymous as it comes with uh, when it comes to when it comes to the WNBA and women's college basketball. So honestly, I feel like she she deserves to be on this list. When you think women's college basketball, you think women's WNBA. One of the first three names that comes up just about every single time, I'd say. So I mean, she's been around. She's been around a long time. Has broken so many records. Has done it with flair. So honestly, Sue Bird's a perfect fit here. Yeah. So. Going on to number three, I'm going to go Jenny Finch. Number three. Maybe a little low to some people. Jenny Finch is one of my favorite. Really the only reason I watched softball for a long time, to be honest with you. Uh, it was absolutely fantastic to watch her pitch. I also loved her every year in the All-Star uh, celebrity uh, celebrity game. She still plays. And by the way, she still wears a Giants hat for the most part. It's been been absolutely fantastic. I didn't know she ever wore a Giants hat until after. Like I'd already been a fan of hers for a long time. Um, but yeah, no, do love, do love some Jenny Finch. Uh, one of the best pitchers to ever play the game. And when you talk about most relatable athletes, she has one of the best stories for a female athlete out there. Um, and then, you know, you talk about what her resilience, two kids coming back and continues to win gold afterwards. And then obviously once Olympics, uh, cut softball, she was a big proponent for bringing back softball into the, into the game did not play in the return of, uh, of softball to the Olympics. Thankfully, uh, she decided to retire. And I do say thankfully, because there were some, there were some people there that did not need to be playing anymore at the age of 42 for the U.S. Women's National Team. They could have easily been replaced by some 25-year-olds, 26-year-olds, but I digress. Um, so, yeah, Jenny Finch, uh, my number three all-time favorite female athlete. She was my sixth. She was my honorable mention and one of the few athletes I still follow on Facebook from way back in the day as well. So you're not going to hear too many arguments from me on this one. She Dynamic as a pitcher, I think, is the best way I could describe her. That's a yeah, pretty good way to put it. Uh, now, number two, this one's tough for me. I, I split my one and two, and I just did it by a flip of a coin. Uh, but number two is going to be Alex Morgan, uh, one of the best all-time play- women's soccer players in, in the U.S. But on top of that, uh, again, you talk about outside of the game, one of the few people I ever decided to like, hey, I'm going to follow an athlete on and, and actually follow their, their trajectory through sports uh, was Alex Morgan, and I did that through social media as well. And you know what? That's... Yeah, there's not a lot I can't say I, I can say here that would really deny the fact that Alex Morgan is one of the most popular female athletes of all time. So maybe I'm not really picking any surprise athletes here. I, I feel like I outside of Doris Burke, there's not been very many surprises here. Uh, but you know what? Alex Morgan is my number two favorite female athlete of all time. She might be one of the most famous female athletes of all time as well. She's definitely earned the, or she's earned her spot on everybody's list and a fantastic soccer player as well. And for all those times with the women's world cup, she was always, she always had those standout moments as well. So I'm curious to see who number one is. I kind of have an idea, but considering she didn't make number one, that's kind of surprising to me. Yeah, I know. I imagine it's surprising to some people out there, mm-hmm. uh, but you know what? Number one is the goat. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know what I'm talking about. That is Serena Williams. There's not a doubt in my mind that, that she is my favorite all time athlete. Everything she's done for women's sports. It's not just one small thing. Uh, obviously, you could talk about Venus in this conversation as well. I imagine that for some people, Venus is their favorite female athlete. For me, it was Serena. I got to watch more of Serena play. I didn't really enjoy watching Venus play as much. I liked a little bit of more of the the attitude that Serena brought to the game. I enjoyed what she had to say in press conferences. I enjoyed her honest, honest ability to talk about the game and talk about her performance. And you know what? When at the push came to shove, she didn't care whether you were a man or a woman. She'd go out there and play you and, and try to shut you down every single time. She tried to beat you uh, 
beat you six love every single um, match. So, you know what? Uh, that's that competitive spirit to me is is something I could relate to, something I really enjoyed. And whether it be male or female, that's something I always gravitated to. And Serena, she she you know really did embody that um, all the way until she finally decided to retire. And now she's doing even more to push the push push women's tennis and even women's sports in general to the forefront of of media and, and try to get as much attention on as possible. So um going Serena Williams here for my number one favorite female athlete of all time. I feel like you can't go wrong when you pick arguably the go athlete across no matter men, women, or what whatever you want to have. It's just arguably the go athlete in general is a safe bet there. Like and we've all seen the story that we've seen the movie about her as well too with Will Smith kind of documenting her and Venus growing up a little bit too, which makes her even more likable on top of that to think that when we see what they went through. So Serena, wonderful fit here as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that's my top five list. So just to be recapping that one. Doris Burke at number five, again, breaking the, the mold a little bit here. Sue Bird, number four. Jenny Finch at number three. Alex Morgan, number two. And number one, Serena Williams is my top five all-time all favorite female athletes. Absolutely. A, a very quality list there as well. And I did put a little bit of parody in mind just so we didn't name the exact same five. Like I, So we're going to go I'm gonna jump right in mine now. Number five, I'm going to start with softball, and I'm going to go with Kat Osterman, the pitcher from Texas, and that's kind of where I remember watching her when I was growing up. Obviously, fantastic, winning the gold medal in 2004, silver medal in 2008, and I believe she's on the 2020 team as well, too. All-American all four times, professional. At, in, when she was at Texas, she, the, she had the triple crown for her career with wins, ERA, and strikeouts, no hitters, shutouts, perfect games. Basically, if it she the record book was the Cat Osterman Chronicles when she was in college. That's how absolutely fantastic she was. So can't help but can't help but have her there. And just the way she threw the ball was just absolutely incredible. Similarly, we talked about Jenny Fitz. She was a lot like that as well. One of only a handful of pitchers to strike out a thousand batters with a hundred wins and an ERA under one. Doesn't get doesn't get much better than that. So Cat Osterman, I'm gonna put I'm gonna put his number five in. She could be higher on this list as well, too, but she's been fantastic. Yeah, you know, I enjoyed watching Kat Osterman play, but I wish she had done more. I wish she had done more for the sport. I feel like she was very set, set, like segmented into, I only want to play softball, and that's all I care about. I don't care about going and doing all this other fun stuff, like how Jenny Finch put herself out there to try to grow the sport through that that route, and where Kat Osterman was just like, I'm going to be the greatest, and that's how you're going to listen to me, which in its own right is very respectable. I, I did enjoy watching Kat Osterman play. Not really a favorite player of all time, but she definitely – if I, if I had to, like, when it comes to listing a, a female uh, softball player or a female athlete, really, uh, Kat Osterman does t fall in the top 20 of athletes I could probably I would, I would pick out for, for sure. In National Pro Fast Pitch Professional for her, she has a 95-24 and 24 win loss, a .91 earned run average, more than 1,200 strikeouts and 12 saves, even fantastic once she left Texas as well. And on top of that, her birthday is only a few days different than mine too, so you know what? There's a little soft spot for there as well. So Kat Osterman at number five for me. Number four, we're gonna move. In. What was that? I see where the bias came from. Only a little bit there, but number four, we're gonna go with the OG on this one. I'm gonna go with Mia Hamm, the the former professional soccer player, two-time Olympic gold medalist with Women's World Cup, and honestly, I think it's safe to say a football icon when it comes to United States women's national soccer. For two decades, nearly, she was the face of women's soccer. Outstanding, she played for. College soccer at North Carolina won four Division One women's soccer titles. Does it honestly, when it comes to women's soccer, does it get much better of a career than what she's had so far? I feel like she's—I don't want to say she's the Michael Jordan of it or the Serena Williams of it, but she's been absolutely she's been a pinnacle for women's soccer. 
most international goals goal scored until Abby Wambach took took that a, a few years ago. Twice named FIFA Player of the Year. She's just incredible, honestly. That's the only way I could really describe it. There, Mia Hammond herself is the own adjective when it comes to how great her career was. Like there, you don't you can list all the adjectives you want, but just her name is an adjective in itself. Yeah, I mean, I definitely think. Look, I don't think we would have an Abby Wambach. I don't think we would have an Alex Morgan had it not been for Mia Hamm. I think that's speaks in and of itself to her career. You also talk about the fact that she's married to a superstar baseball player at the time, and most people forget that he was a superstar baseball player. Most people remember him as, oh, you're Mia Hamm's husband. <laughs> so no Mark Garcia Parra, obviously, being the person I was, I'm was i talking about. Um, but yeah, she, look, revolutionized the sport, made it what it is today, made it popular in America for women to play that game. And I was actually literally just watching a, a you know, special on, on, on ESPN about Mia Hamm surprising a young girl. Uh, who is going through cancer and you know it's still today there's 14 13 12 year old girls that are looking up at idols and it's still Mia Hamm and Alex Morgan and Abby Wambach so it's like she is still the pinnacle of what a soccer player in America should be for females and uh, so I definitely I definitely agree with that I I, I like uh, Mia Hamm I I loved everything she did for you know showed on the field so uh, definitely respect that pick and we want to talk about uh post like outside the realm of sport too. She's also the co-owner of the Los Angeles FC and a global ambassador for FC Barcelona. So continuing yep. to continue to be a superstar, even after her playing days are, are over. So we're going to put Mia Hammett number four, number three, we're going to go to the hardwood and we're going to go with Maya Moore from the Yukon superstar from back in our heyday. She was a, she was the national Gatorade player of the year in high school, the Gatorade female athlete of the year, McDonald's all American. That was before she got started at UConn, that was just in high school, winning back-to-back national championships during UConn's incredible run. This was in 2009 and 2010. Anyone remembers? That's also when Cardiac Kemba Walker went on his run. So UConn pulling the doubleheader in March Madness, led by her as well as Kemba Walker too. She And then she was the first overall pick in the draft. And honestly, I think you'd say she didn't disappoint as well too. She's won four WNBA championships. I think she basically pulled a Spurs where she won every other year from 11 to 17. MVP award, finals MVP, three all-star game MVPs, scoring titles. She pretty much did it all in a very, very short amount of time. She left UConn with all the hype, and I'd say she lived up to it almost immediately. So I got Maya Moore at number three, just an absolutely incredible career in what feels like a really short period of time. It feels like she, when she got in, conquered everything, got out in the blink of an eye. First female Jordan exclusive signature shoe, um, by the way, for, uh, for Maya Moore. Um, now, obviously, I'm saying that knowing full well that if people know, uh, back in the day, Shamika Holescloth had the first ever female sponsor shoe. Um, mm-hmm. But now that's – and then Shell Swoops obviously had her special edition as well. But Jordan, female brand, uh, first ever was Maya Moore. Also, don't forget, Maya Moore took a year off to uh, help a uh, wrongly convicted person uh, get out of jail, who, by the way, she ended up marrying. Um, yeah, so uh, Maya Moore, I, look, a fantastic athlete, fantastic person off the court as well. Um, definitely respect that pick. I, I think she's one of the the, the best current to ever play the game. Um, and you know, you talk about UConn, it's like, okay, well, they all come from UConn somewhere, right? Exactly. And on top of that, she was she's included on Times 100 Most Influential People of 2020 as well. So once again, stepping off the court, continue making a difference there as well. So number two, I half cheated as well too. I put Venus and Serena here at number two. You already talked about Serena, so I'm just going to kind of focus in on Venus on this one because 
we already we already praised Serena, arguably the goat athlete of all time. Don't know if she quite gets that without the sister, without her sister Venus there leading the way as well. Obviously, we know that Sir Serena was the goat, but Venus was the older one as well too. She kind of helped pave the way as that older one. We they talked about as well. Venus was probably the best player player for a lot, but that allowed Serena to become the greatest of all time. Venus, of course, number one in singles, doubles, several grand grand, grand slam singles titles, multiple at Wimbledon. Her accolades are second to basically Venus at the or second second to Serena. Absolutely incredible and. Honestly, they've won 14 women's double major titles. Like they're an absolutely incredible duo. I'm putting both of them here at number two. I'm mildly cheating like you did on your list. I'm just focusing on Venus right now since we already covered Serena, but we're going to put the Williams sisters here. I can accept that. I I, I even said it kind of on when I said Serena. I mean, you can almost say Venus is connected to Serena in a lot of ways, and it's true. I mean, in a lot of ways it is. And uh, before you go any further, before you hit your number one, I do want to point out we did get a comment from RJ with his top five list. Danica Patrick. Marta, the Brazilian superstar, football player, uh, soccer player. Billie Jean King, we've talked about Billie Jean King. We actually did a whole highlight on her during the uh, during Women's History Month. Um, absolutely love Billie Jean King. Flojo, also one of the best, I think, best nicknames to ever play. To, to men or women's in sports. Uh, I think I think calling yourself Flo, or getting called Flojo uh, might be one of the, the you know best nicknames of all time. Uh, and Serena Williams, obviously, his number one. So. Uh, connecting Sir, his, his Serena Williams, obviously, to Venus and, and everything. So, uh, so DJ, now we've seen mine and we saw RJ's. What's your top? What's your number one? And number one, we're going to step into the octagon where actually women had a little bit of a tough time getting going, especially in the UFC. But once they came in, they broke through. We're going to go with Valentina Shevchenko, also known as the Bullet, UFC champion at 125, ridiculous amount of def- defenses, number one in the rankings for Lord knows how long, number two in the pound for pound ranks. She has a lot of those Anderson Silva qualities. You remember when we did our top five male athletes where she managed to make a pugilistic sport elegant and almost artistic, the way she would she would dismantle opponents. She would do it in a very violent but not violent way. It didn't look like it didn't look like a gross, ugly street brawl. She did it in a very artistic way how she dismantled her opponents. And she was just terrifying, honestly, the way she would do it. She honestly, she'd probably beat both of us up before we had a chance to blink. So we're gonna put Valentina Shevchenko as number one female athlete right now. Yeah, I'd start to start my blink and be knocked out on the ground before I could even finish closing my eyes. That's how that's good she was. I mean, that's uh, I think this is that's a fantastic number one and kind of a surprise. I think if people don't know Shevchenko, they 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 don't they won't get this. But if you if you need to know, I I I'm I'm sure DJ can tell you. Just YouTube or just just watch one or two highlights and she's on anything UFC with greatest knockouts that includes women. I think she's on that list. Absolutely. Plus several times over kickboxing champion as well. And a former dancer, so dancer. So she always puts on an elegant, she always is able to dance. Like her post, her celebration dances are almost perfectly choreographed as well. So she could do a little bit of everything. So recapping my top five favorite female athletes of all time. Number five, we got Kat Osterman. Number four, we got Mia Hamm. Number three, we got Maya Moore. Number two, Venus and Serena Williams, a little bit of a cheat, including both of them there. Then at number one, we got Valentina Shevchenko. So there are top five favorite female athletes of all time. Let us know in the comments below. Is like we saw from Margie, what are some of yours? Which ones did we get right? Who did we leave off? It's a very, very long list. Unfortunately, we have about 50 of them we could put in there, but we only got five spots. So definitely a lot of good nominees to this one. But that is now going to round us in out of the tip-off and into the second favorite part of every show, and that is the main event. And here as we head into the main event, 
we're going to talk, we're going to talk about something that we don't get to talk about a whole lot. We're going to talk about money because there is a lot of athletes getting paid right now. There's a lot of them take getting paid across multiple sports, basketball, football, soccer. There's money going around everywhere. So we're going to lead with the bit with arguably the biggest one. We got Jalen Brown, the Celtics superstar getting paid. He went from basically being in trade talks every year to now be having the richest contract in NBA history at worth over $300 million. And uh, yeah, it makes sense. I mean, he, when, when you stick around as long as yeah, that's kind of the perks of re-signing with the team that drafted you, being eligible for that big contract. Is he a top 10 player? No. Is he a damn good player? Absolutely. Is he someone that you could probably win a title with on your team? Yeah. As your best player? Maybe not. But the best part about the NBA is someone's going to beat this before, in the blink of an eye anyway. So the, like it's just good for him for finally getting paid. I wish he would have got that no trade clause, though. And now he only has a no trade clause for a year. But now, So, it, you know, good for Jalen Brown, good for getting paid. And he's gotten better every single year. So I'm curious what step, what's the next step he's going to take as well to kind of match, hopefully match this contract and help the Celtics. Yeah, I mean, look, okay. When I think of a guy, the first guy to make 300 and some odd million, 305, I believe, mm-hmm. is this contract. If I, thought, if I thought that that was going to be Jalen Brown, I'd have laughed at somebody. Like, there's no way I would have thought Jalen Brown's this dude. Because he is the Scottie Pippen to Jason Tatum's Michael Jordan. And maybe that seems blasphemous. Maybe maybe Celtics fans disagree, but uh, I don't think you watch the same playoffs as me lately. Um, look, I, I I get it. This is where the NBA is going right now. But, man, this feels weird saying that Jalen Brown's the first, 300, first guy over $300 million in a contract. Like, that just doesn't feel right to say. I feel like I'm... It's like a cruel April Fool's joke in July. Um, but look, I, look, I respect it. I respect it. I do think he is one of the one of the better on-ball def- defenders in the game, especially wing defenders. Um, but he's also able to go down low and, and guard bigger guys than him. Uh, he's also an underrated offensive player. I do think he gets a little careless with the ball sometimes. So I don't think he can be your primary number one option in a lot of cases. He does do his best work as that secondary option, knowing that, he can always fall back on somebody else if he's having an off night. And he does love passing a little too much to be a primary number one. And now, obviously, I say I, I say that knowing full well that the current MVP and uh, recent NBA Finals MVP and LeBron all love to pass too much as well. Uh, but you know what? It's okay. Um, so it's, you know, I, I just, it doesn't feel like that's the, that's the guy that gets 300, 300 million. But you know what? Good for him. These Supermax contracts are getting stupid, though. Uh, can we reel it back just a little bit? Like, send some of that money our way to, to you know, the fans. That'd be great. Like, for every jersey I buy, I get 20 bucks back. That'd be great. I, I'd, I'd like that. I might actually buy more Kings jerseys. Oh, it's like it hasten now. That's not that's yeah. like I hate the Kings jerseys. But I agree. It is kind of – I hope he's able to use some of that and just kind of work on the handles and the passing just a little bit because those kind of plagued him a little bit in the playoffs last year. But fantastic player, second team All-NBA. Good for him and I. What's crazy is next year we're going to be having the same conversation. Someone's going to be like 340 million with the way things are going. Yeah. They, the numbers are getting absolutely crazy. But you know what? He, speaking of uh, guys to continue to set back to break break through barriers with getting paid, we're going to go to the NFL now and Justin Herbert uh, becoming the getting the biggest contract of all time for in the NFL at 268 million dollars. If I read correctly, his neck his cap hit not this in that first year when the contract extension kicks in is going to be worth 100 million. So, <laughs> oh. or maybe not as cap it. That's how much, sorry. That's how much money he's going to make in that first year. So I don't know if that's all the cap. That's not all the cap hit, but that's how much money he's going to make in that one year. So, uh, Justin Herbert overpaid, underpaid, paid properly. 
Holy crap. Can we just talk about this for a second? Uh, $262.5 million for five years. And uh, wow. I mean, could you just, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm trying to just wrap my head around that number right now for a guy who we rank probably around seven or eight best five, best quarterbacks. I mean, I, I'm not going to put him in. I mean, he's a top 10 guy, but I don't think he's a top five guy yet. I don't think he's proven himself to be a top five guy. Because when, what has he done in the playoffs yet? I mean, he got a 28 to nothing lead before they forgot to run the what, ball. Yeah, when he then no longer could complete a pass after that. But I will also say that he's done what he's done with the most injuries I think I've seen from receivers. And that's impressive to say a lot too. But again, this kind of goes in the same category of Jalen Brown. First of all, congratulations, Justin. Let's not kid ourselves. Congratulations. But it does feel a little weird to be saying the biggest contract right now is going to Justin Herbert, a guy who we just had as a as a, on a list of most pressure going into this season as a quarterback. So I do I do question the amount of money, especially when you have a guy like Austin Eckler there who you could pay. Uh, but you know, again, like this is where it's going in the NFL. Get yours while you can. I don't I don't disagree with anybody ever getting their back. Let me be very clear about that. You get your back, congratulations. But it does in in some some ways kind of feel a little weird that it's Justin Herbert we're talking about with this record breaking contract, but uh. I imagine there's going to be guys coming up very soon to to, to you know surpass this and um, but so I don't feel as bad but yeah this is it does feel a little weird but dude I I mean I'm not going to say he's worth it yet but I, if he can have a fully healthy season and he can have a team that's fully healthy I think we can see the best Justin Herbert this year and if he does what we think he can do like what his talent shows he can do then absolutely I think he deserves this contract you might even yeah. have paid, uh, underpaid him. If you're or if you're if you're LA if, at the end of the day if he if he performs that well, 193 million in in, in guarantees as well. The high, this is the third quarterback signing a huge deal after Lamar Jackson, Jalen Hurts. Lamar's getting 52 salary, Jalen Hurts getting 51, Herbert getting 52 and a half. So looks like he just they basically just continued the trend of just getting over the top of it. Like we said too, we kind of talked about it when we did the top the guys under most pressure. It was under the impression he was going to get paid, which he just did, and. You have a really good team around you, but they got to stay healthy. They're as injury prone as they get. Joey Bosa's got to start playing like he did a few years ago, not like he has the last couple of years. They got they got some work to do, but honestly, you're there's probably not if you're starting a team. If we're starting a team, Justin Herbert's probably fifth on the list of guys we grab when you yeah. factor age, talents, and everything too. So it it makes sense. And as you mentioned too, it's not going to last long of him being the highest paid guy because you know who's coming up next. Well, his fellow draft class uh, mate, uh, Joe, Joe Burrow, might be coming up next as well. He's They're in line. They're talking about his contract. They were basically, it was more or less playing chicken between the agents. Who's going to sign first? Herbert signs first. And uh, so Joe Burrow, we're going to try, at this point, it's like trying to guess who, what's he going to sign for. My guess is it's going to probably be worth $265 million, just a little bit over that, probably 53 salary, something like that, maybe 200 in guarantees. Basically, Paycor, there's a reason it's called Paycor Stadium now because Paycor is going to pay a nice chunk of that contract. But I think Burrow's got to be next, and he's probably, I don't think they're going to go well past this. I don't think they're going to give him like a 300 million. And I don't think they're going to give him the Patrick Mahomes 10 year deal either, especially because I think he's a, he's actually older than Patrick, if I'm not mistaken, as well, too, or right around the same age. So I same think, age, I think, yeah, so I think he's going to get paid a probably just a little bit more than Justin, but I don't think it's going to be spread over a 10-year deal like we saw with Patrick. Maybe they give him a seven-year deal, 
but I don't think they're going to spread it over 10 years. So I do think they go over, over Justin's by a little, I'm not going to say a lot, but I do think we see about 15 million more. Um, I do think this contract will approach the 270 mark. Um, like, I mean, I'm talking easily like 275, probably even for, for Burrow, just to kind of ensure that would give him about a, I think 56 million a year type of contract of uh, over five years. And I, I think that would ensure him his, his rightful spot as a top three paid quarterback for the next two to three years, I believe. I mean, I don't think that, I don't think there's any arguing and saying the fact that Joe Burrow is a top three quarterback right now. I mean, depending on who you're talking to, potentially top two guy. But I do think when you, when you, you know, break it down, I think he's going to be paid a little bit more than, even we expect just because they want to ensure that he's not going to like in that fourth year, be like, ah, I'm not getting paid enough because there's seven or eight guys ahead of me. He's going to be like, ah, I'm fifth on the list. That's okay. I'll keep paying, you know, I'll keep playing my contract type of conversation. I don't think there's anybody that's really going to surpass a lot more than, than what Burrow could make. And I think, I think 56 million is, uh, you know, over five years is the minimum I expect him to get. Um, I wouldn't be surprised to see it go 58 or 60 million a year. Truthfully, um, I am curious just, too. If with no bet, I'll say just because of the talent that's here there with him, and also if they can figure out a way to back in that contract or you know offset that contract in ways, that way you can find find a way to sign T Higgins, find a way to sign Jamar Chase when his contract comes up. Try to find a way to 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 you know get these younger guys contracts when you need to, when you need them. So that's gonna be my question too. Is if you if he does get paid more, how? I feel like T. Higgins is gone if they give it if they pay more. I don't know how you keep him and Jamar Chase because you know Jamar Chase can get like thirty something million in a couple of years too. Joe Mixon is definitely gone next year as well. He's barely there now after taking a pay cut. Defense, you've already seen him lose pieces like Jesse Bates. So I am curious. It almost feels I'm not gonna say the Bengals window is closing because as long as Joe Burrow's there, it's never closing. But I am curious how their team's going to restructure a little bit because you know somebody's gonna pay T. Higgins hundred million dollars next year if he's out there. They're gonna offer him a hundred million dollar contract to go be their number one receiver. Like there's a lot of teams that will do that. Like his, you're not going to find 15 receivers better than him. So there's a lot of teams that will take him. So yes, I know you're one of them. So it would definitely. I don't even have a team, but you know what? I'll figure out a way to take him. I don't care. I will go sign a contract with some team as their GM and he will be on my team within five seconds. So that is where I'm really curious to see what they do with that, with his contract as well. If it's going to go along the Justin Herbert, Lamar, those ones, or if they're going to give him almost that Patrick Mahomes deal where they maybe give him a stupid long one. That's not a high salary, but has stupid amounts of random guarantees. Like, oh, you wore these colored cleats today. Here's a million dollars. So he still yeah. gets paid, but it's the weird gar- pseudo guarantees. The the, sim- the simple guarantees. The hey, you just have to play a quarter of a season for four straight years to make this bonus. Like you know, like I could definitely see that being the case. Like, oh, you started week one. Here's a million. Like something like that. Like just those weird, goofy guarantees. Kind of like we've seen Patrick's contract that makes it worth so much, but at the same time doesn't completely toast the salary cap as much. What's still crazy is all of these different contracts, still nobody has quite matched that $250 million guarantee that Deshaun got, which is still absolutely blasphemous to me. That, But that's a whole other story for another day. Just crazy how we see the numbers get bigger, but that one still haven't really got close to that one. So good, that there's a reason he's the top five under pressure, but I digress. But next on, we're going to move to the running backs now. And we got one holdout coming to an end. Saquon is coming back to the Giants. Looks like that holdout ends with a... Somewhat new deal, one-year deal worth a little bit more. It can go up to like eleven and a half million. It looks like as well. So, more guarantees, uh, I guess. It's it's weird, but I guess good for them ending the holdout. Good for them getting a little bit more money. But this definitely does not solve the issue with that they're having. 
Yeah, I mean, look, ten, one year, ten million dollars. Like, come on, really? I, I'm going to flip the script on the on the Jalen Brown, Justin Herbert conversation. That's all you're paying this man, really? After you gave Daniel Jones that kind of money, come on, guys. Like, you could easily have offered him a two year, twenty eight million dollar contract for what you're throwing out there, and guarantee that twenty eight million. Not even like play around with it. Like that's it should be a guaranteed. 28 mil, 14 a year, 15 a year, realistically, uh, for Saquads. And, and obviously, I, you know, you look at that and, yeah, there's been injury history. But who cares? Uh, you, when he's on the field, you win games, plain and simple. It's, you don't win games when he's not on the field. That's just how it's been for the Giants. And uh, to me, that means I should probably sign him and pay him. Um, similar to the Cowboys and the Dak situation. When Dak wasn't on the field, you saw how bad they were. When Dak was on the field, yeah, sure, he might be the greatest garbage-time quarterback ever, but you know what? They still win games more often than not with Dak at quarterback. So uh, you had to pay the guy that, that helps you get wins, and I don't know why the Giants aren't paying Saquon still what he's worth. I'm glad he got something done, and I'm glad to see he's going to be playing because I was really worried about the Giants without him. Uh, that was not going to be a fun situation when we talk about that that preseason prediction um, if he was not playing. But, yeah, I, I mean, look, I'm glad he's going to be playing, but it's uh, – it's almost like an empty promise here. It's like it's like okay, you got one year to figure it out, but how, I mean, you, you, what's going to change in the next year? You're still paying Daniel Jones a stupid amount of money, and more guys are going to have more contracts come up. Where are you going to find this extra money to place it, pay Saquon going into next year? It feels like they've conceded on considering they just gave Andrew Thomas their all their all pro level left tackle a hundred million dollar contract too. So it looks like this is. Hopefully this means they're paying him now and they're not going to try There's no like franchise tag options or something next year. I don't know what that we'll see what this comes with this, but if you're the giants, I guess uh, hopefully Daniel Jones takes that next step and passes the 20 touchdown passes in a season market, considering how much money you're getting him. And hopefully Saquon's able to stay healthy because glad it's over. But at the same time, like you, I kind of have some questions long-term with it. Here's, but. here's my big question that comes with this. If the giants are out of it before the trade deadline ends, is Saquon getting traded? And if so, to like, if you're the T, how many buyers are there going to be for Saquon because of his kind of really cheap $10 million? Like, it'll only be 10 by that point in time. It'd be like 4.5. I think this is very much a, it depends on where teams are sitting and what they have, too. I'm just going to pick a random one out of a, out of a buck here. What about Jacksonville? If they're like, let's say they're like six and one, they're cruising because the AFC South stinks and they actually got a good team, and the Giants are like one and six, something like that. Travis Etienne's really good, but let's say the injury history creeps in or they just want another running back. Maybe they just throw something at him, throw like a third round pick, and you basically rent Saquon the rest of the year at that point. Maybe that's an option, something like that. So I could, I can very much well see it, especially if the Giants come out like one and six or something like that. And then there's a team that, has a bit of a running back gap or an injury that's kind of cruising, but if I'm the Giants, it's still it's a very they're definitely playing with a little bit of fire, and they really need Daniel Jones to take that next step with how much money they're paying him, and the fact that you might be losing your arguably your best player because of it. Yeah, I do wonder like if a team like the the Lions need somebody at that point in time, and let's say you're exactly right, the Giants come out one and six, and just for some reason Jameer Gibbs isn't cutting it for the Lions, but they're still in contention for that NFC North. I feel like for pretty much every team in the NFC North, you're going to be in contention at some point in time for that team, uh, for that for that spot. So I do wonder if that could be a move they go for. Uh, maybe try to pull Saquon into the Honolulu blue away from the Giants blue. So uh, 
yeah, it's very interesting to think about that now with Saquon getting this deal, of how, how, how that affects his potential future as well. Yeah, honestly, that honestly, you're even the Bears too. If they come out actually looking pretty good like we expect, and then you put him and Justin Fields back there, good luck, everybody else. But that being said, I don't think they're going to trade him because I don't think they're going to come out one and six. I think they're going to be, yeah. I think they're still going to be a pretty good team nonetheless. And I think with Saquon being there, it's going to open things up a lot for him. But it's a competitive division we'll have to keep an eye out for. But his holdout comes to an end. But unfortunately, in Las Vegas, not so much. The dice did not come up snake eyes as Josh Jacobs still holding out, not working out in Las Vegas, working out on his own. And let your leading rusher, the leading yard scrimmage yard getter last year. Obviously, you're not going to pay him like five years, a hundred million. But uh, I think you got to find a way. To, you got to find a way to keep him in there. Like you don't have a whole lot else in Vegas. Even J- Josh McDaniels was saying, like, you know, I'm not really used to having. I'm used to doing running back by, by committee, but Josh Jacobs surprised me. Unless you either get let him go, or just and st- play Zamir White in the running back by committee, or pay him at this point. You got Jimmy Garoppolo for all of the six games before he gets hurt. Jared Stidham maybe comes back. Like you don't have a whole lot else there besides Devonte Adams. Josh Jacobs makes life a whole lot easier. We saw how he got cooking down the stretch. So I feel like this is a team. I think you find a way to pay him, or at this point, you just look to deal him. Yeah, I, I'm 100 agreeance. And then you're also talking cutting Hunter Renfro uh, or potentially trading Hunter Renfro off that team. So you're losing another weapon, and it just makes you wonder. Sitting here, sit, looking at this Raiders team, I know you were struggling with cap and and you know get all that, but you can't not filled a team either that's not an option but right now you're 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 out your second your your number one tight end you just traded him you know you just not signing your number one running back to a contract for some god-awful reason despite you actually do have cap room to sign him to a deal very similar to what you just saw the Giants sign Saquon why why not I know I do know there's this this hesitation because obviously a guy who just leads the league in rushing has not led or has not finished top five again, except for two people. And that's what I'm saying. Jonathan Taylor and Derrick Henry in the history. I think Derrick Henry, Jonathan Taylor was injured last year after finishing. Number oh, that's one right. Yeah. Season. Yeah. So, so I yeah, just Derrick Henry, Henry is the only one. Early, I think are the last two to do it recently. Yeah. So, I mean, the, I think those are the only two to do it actually ever. Um, so yeah, it's like, <laughs> come on, what, what are we doing here? Raiders? Like this is not the just win baby Raiders anymore. This is a, we don't know what we're doing here in Vegas because we're spending too many time, too much time over at the casinos. Like, this is not the time you go for the long shots. This is not the seventeen leg parlay that you're trying to come up with to win a game. This is not what you're doing. You should be doing with a, a professional franchise like the Raiders. They need. They're known for hard nosed football. Josh Jacobs embodies that more than any running back not named Derrick Henry right now uh, in the league. And so, I don't know what they're thinking. Um, I just, I don't know. I, I Josh Jacobs needs to get paid somewhere. I you know what? Come to Dallas. Dallas will pay you. I know they'll pay you. Like they won't even pay they, Tony Pollard. That's fair, but they'll at least pay him nine million dollars to sit there and hold Tony Pollard's jock. I guess. Like well, Josh Jacobs might even start. To be truthful. Well, speaking of your Cowboys, I guess we should mention right now Trayvon Diggs getting paid for his eleven interceptions a couple of yeah. years ago as well to getting a hundred million, almost hundred million dollar deal and. Kind of makes sense. And Deontay Davis, you are one step ahead of us because that's actually the next place we are going to is Jonathan Taylor. Now, Nick looks like he might be next up on the running back list as well since he's he's kind of holding in, it sounds like. Like he's there on the pup list. Jim Ursay even had like a little tweet earlier today basically saying the idea of like we worked hard for the collective bargaining agreement. We're not going to change it for a position. It, it's out of line more or less. Just not great words, honestly. It sounds like there's going to be a little bit of a battle between them over the next year and when I look at the Colts, you got a 24-year-old running back who is a year removed from leading the league in 
rushing yards, touchdowns, yards from scrimmage. Basically, if it wasn't for Cooper Cup, he'd have been Offensive Player of the Year. If it wasn't for Cooper Cup being Cooper Cup, he nearly carried a Carson Wentz-led offense with no receivers to it, or with a only Michael Pittman and no other receivers to the playoffs. Last year, banged up. That team was terrible anyway. If you're the Colts, you stink. Honestly, let's just let's go. Let's be honest. You stink. You don't. You have some quote unquote good name players, but you suck. You have a rookie quarterback who, by all accounts, purposes, we think can be dynamic. Maybe not right away. Like he'll be dynamic right away, but has an incredible talent to grow and learn. Twenty-one years old, twenty-four year old running back. You have that quarterback for five years on a rookie deal. Let's say he meets all expectations and is like a souped-up Donovan McNabb, like I've compared him to at this point, like a twenty twenty-three version of Don McNabb. You have that on a rookie deal for five years. Pay Jonathan Taylor four years and like $40 million all guaranteed. By the time his contract runs out, you pay Anthony Richardson. Quentin Nelson's huge contract and Shaquille Leonard's will be off the books by that point or you'll resign him to a different deal. You're in the weird flux where you have no reason not to pay him. You got to pay Michael Pittman too, so those two are going to cost a lot of money. You'll, have to re- you'll probably have to restructure a few other contracts, probably get rid of some other players that have underperformed. You don't have to choose between the two of them. Like I know your con- your cap space is a little more limited, but you can finagle things around when you have a rookie deal quarterback and a running back who, frankly, you put those two in the backfield, they might actually win games next year just because those two are going to scare people, assuming they don't play Gardner Minshew too much. So honestly, what better thing to help your young develop your young quarterback with all the talent in the world than arguably a guy who was considered the top running back 365 days ago, not even 365 days ago, even less than that. So if I'm the Colts, I don't overthink this. You give him four years, $40 million, all guaranteed. Injury clause, no trade clause, whatever you want. He'll be like 28, I believe, when that contract ends. So he could still get another like two-year deal at the end of it. But that's – I don't see any reason you don't sign him, honestly. You saw how bad you stunk last year when he was injured. When he did play, he looked pretty good. I think he was still finished like 10th in rushing at one point or something like that. I think because of the injuries, it kind of went down. But yeah, he's, he's your workhorse. He's, he's your best offensive player. I don't think – don't overthink this. Just yeah. make it happen. This this feels very similar to the Bucks back in the day with work done. Uh, that letting him end up in Atlanta with Michael Vick afterwards. You know, he like thinking he was kind of like, oh well, it's a running back. Like, uh, we don't need to pay him. And then watching what he did in Atlanta with Michael Vick and, and squad. That's what I'm, I'm worried that's going to happen with the Colts. They're looking at Jonathan Taylor right now. Oh no, he was injured last year. He was top ten in rushing. It wasn't as good as his number one. Oh, no, maybe we don't sign him to it. No, sign this man. Do exactly what DJ said. Four years, get this man paid, get him his contract, get him on this field because he is your most dynamic player on the ball, period, point blank. You you can slot him out if you need to, play him inside, but just keep this man on the field. The dude runs the fastest you've ever seen from a running back. It's, It's stupid the way he runs past people. He doesn't look like he's running still, and he still just glides past everybody. Um, look, I, if you need any, if you have any hope of having any offense with Anthony Richardson, you need Jonathan Taylor in there. So get this man paid. Just do what you have to do. I don't think there's any question about it. Like, yeah, he might not. He doesn't need to be top five every year for the next four years to pay off this contract. He can stay top ten next every year for the next five four years, and that contract of forty million, forty two million a year, or forty two million total for four years. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, my bad. I misspoke. Forty-two million a year for a running back would be insane. Um, but you know, forty-two million for four years. If you look at that, ten point five a year. That's absolutely a steal for a guy who's a top ten running back who's going to give you a thousand plus yards a, a season. Probably give you a close to ten touchdowns at least, eight to ten. I mean, 
You couldn't ask for much more for $10.5 million a year when you're getting less than that from a player that's making $13 million out on the side, out on the wing, like in, in, in any other position. Like you By just, the way, I, was, I was wrong. He was at about 23rd last year in rushing. He was in the top 10 till he till they shut him down at the end of the year. That was my mistake. So he did finish only with about 800 yards, but that means he should be pretty darn fresh for this next year. And like you mentioned as well, too, you, he also can catch the ball pretty decently as well, too. No one's going to call him Christian McCaffrey, but he's not short no, of being able to get, use the ball in open space, catch multiple receiving touchdowns during that offense player of the year caliber caliber season fantasy football champion season all you have to do is get him the ball in space and what better way to help anthony richardson send all of your receivers deep so he can unleash that cannon if they play four deep you could check it down to him in the flat or you run those two on a speed option there's too many options when he's and he's not an old running back that's what makes it extremely weird is he is still by an by professional athlete standards he's still kind of a child like i I think he's yeah. only 24, if I'm not mistaken. Like, you got plenty of time. Yeah, he's 24. You got at least six years before he hits that dreaded 30 mark as well. Like, why wouldn't you and keep even him the new, Even the new, what, 28 mark for, for running backs that they're trying to use, he still has four years. Like, come on, just pay the dude. Like, it doesn't make sense. If you're going to get the most out of Anthony Richardson, like you hope you can, just pay Jonathan Taylor. You need him. You need his style of play to offset John or offset Anthony Richardson. That's what's going to get you the best performance out of both guys. Um, I just I don't know why they're not, they're not paying this man. Uh, it doesn't make sense. I know Jim Mercer is like, oh well, the CBA said screw the CBA, do what you do, and that is be a player's owner. You've 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 always claimed you're a player's owner. Now prove it. Like pr- put your money where your mouth is, Jim Mercer. Now it's time to put down the crack pipe, and now it's time to pay the man. I will say, too, with him only being 24, let's say you let him play out this year, then you try and franchise tag him. He'll still be 25 then at that point, if I'm not mistaken, or 26. Like, he's still going to be a young guy if you try and do that elongated thing. It's not like when you do that till they get 28, like we see saw them do with Le'Veon Bell in Pittsburgh a few years ago, who kind of walked so everybody else here could run. You res- you can resign him to a six-year deal worth $60 million right now, make it all guaranteed $10 million a year, something like that, if that, if he'll take it. You're good to go till he's 30. And if he get if he starts to break down, the end the salary cap's going to go up ten million for a really good running back at the back end of that. Cool, that'll work. You're, that think of it like you're paying a number two receiver ten million dollars. You'll most teams will do that. T Higgins, if the Bengals could get him with paying in ten million dollars, they will sprint their happy you know what's to the nearest bank and deposit that immediately. Bro. The Eagles with Devontae that would have been that been and, in the bank account in cash in ten seconds, like the ten seconds or less. First Cincinnati bank would be filled with forty million dollars. Exactly. Like there's, there's, this is the one that I think they, I don't, it's obviously they have till next year before they even have to worry about it where the other ones are worried yeah. about it right now. But this is one I think they can, this is the one that I think makes the most sense to figure out. Cause he is so young and has done so much. And at the same time you have, you stink too damn bad to let it go, but you yeah. still have a bright future because of that young quarterback and some of those other young pieces you have and a new head coach that by all intents and purposes, you saw what he did with Jalen Hurts last year. You anticipate he could do a lot of the same thing with an Anthony Richardson, who has similar skill set, but arguably even more souped up to eleven once he gets some, once he gets some reps. So, yeah. find the Colts. This is the one. I'm like, you figure out a way. Josh Jacobs, I think you pay him, but the Raiders can make a case. Saquon, you can make a case because you paid everybody else, unfortunately, which I disagree with. But you have you have reasoning. If I'm the Colts, it's like you tell Quentin Nelson you played like poop last year. We're take we're we're kicking some of your money down there. Shaquille, you didn't play last year. The one time you did, you ran your face into your own teammate. We're kicking some of your money down. You're restructuring a few of those contracts at that point. There's a there's ways to do so. If I'm the Colts, that they got to find a way to keep that one too. And before we kind of round out this here money segment, if you will, I think we should talk about uh, the other form of football, 
So we have Mbappe off getting offered $700 million for one year. For context, that is more than all of these contracts we have talked about combined. And that, that is more than all of them that we've talked about combined, not including Joey B's hypothetical. But all the ones that are actually real, that is more than all of them combined. That is more than Patrick Mahomes' total contract. And that is for one year. And he turned it down, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, so this is really interesting. So it actually could have gone up to $1.3 billion in total transactional fee because they because of the contract fee with PSG as well. So PSG agreed to terms. They agreed to the terms for that that he could go play. That it was like a $700 million signing fee for him. Uh, and then they'd still have to pay Mbappe his salary, which they were talking, like you said, something stupid, like almost seven hundred dollars again. Which is what pushed it up to that 1.3 range, 1.2. It was absolutely dumb for one year of Mbappe. Honestly, I'm gonna be real. I, I'm kind of with LeBron on this one. If you guys saw the memes of LeBron, is uh, me when you hear hear Saudi Arabia call for for next season. It's like I, I'm absolutely going for a season at this point. I'm sorry. I seven hundred million dollars for to play one season, which by the way, their seasons are only eight months long for a, a playing season. You literally have to be there for eight months, and that's it. Like, and let's not forget, you get like all these deals are coming with like contract opportunities. We talk about the Messi deal with MLS; he's only making like one point five million dollars from MLS, but he's also making a hundred million off of all the other deals. Mbappe was going to be making seven hundred million dollars off of his contract to play alone, not including the other hundreds of millions of dollars in sponsorships down the road like how crazy of a concept is that for to, to like just consider just consider possibly making that kind of money for a year like good on mbappe for for you know holding true to a, you know to himself but like man that's a hard number to pass up he's a better man than i am i if i heard even a 10 percent of that i'd be like you know what i'm gonna go right over there and i would be on that first plane ticket to to go play right away, like I, kudos to him. But I would have been gone so quick for that kind of money. That's well, it's like, hey is- Kelsey, you're going to be standing next to an oil hole, like <laughs> on fire. Is that okay, man? Sign me up for seven hundred million dollars. Like, okay, <laughs> what's that? Like, permanently damage my lungs? You know what? My family for the next seventeen generations will be set. That's <laughs> generational wealth. That's not. Small wealth, and I, I feel like I'm getting into the financial bro territory here, talking about generational wealth. But you know what? That's really what that is. That's a whole nother level of I don't even know what. Like I'm having some struggle wrap my head around 265 or 260 million for Justin Herbert here. Like 700 million is just an astronomically crazy number. That's a number that calculators don't even go up to half the time. If you try to type that into your phone's calculator while it's vertical, it might not even get all the digits in there. I don't blame Giannis for saying, hey, I look like Mbappe. I'm coming through. Don't mind me. Like, just Mbappe after a growth spurt. Come on down, Giannis, since they do have a shockingly similar similar look to like this. So that's absolutely crazy. Go and let us know in the comments below what are some of the more – what do you think are the most insane contracts? Who do you think is going to get paid next? Let us know what you think about all the money getting thrown around in sports here today. But that's going to do it here for the main event. That's now going to take us into Kelsey's favorite part of every show, and that is crunch time. Crunch type, of course, brought to you by Outlier. Bet smarter, not harder. Go to outlier.bet backslash high low sports. Sign up, get a free seven day trial. Everything you need from betting odds, different betting odds, trends, everything you need to try and put together some winning sports bets. And Kelsey, uh, you know what? We're going to try and win you some money here in another way, not necessarily betting, though. Yeah, you know what? We're going to, 
we've we've started with a couple new segments here uh, recently for for Hilo Sports. We've had we've added in our Tier Tuesdays, which by the way, if you haven't checked out this last week's Tier Tuesdays, go do so. We just ranked our top our number one overall picks for the last was it now thirteen years since back to twenty ten. So uh, very fun time doing that. And now on Fridays, starting this Friday, we'll be releasing Fantasy Fridays. And what is this is going to entail for the next five weeks leading up to the NFL season. Actually, I think it's seven weeks is how long we're going here. I'm going to be taking a position group, and I'm going to tell you a player to watch, to be a fan of, and a player to fade. And if you're wondering where my credentials are, well, it's going to come from the uh, the gut check credential, the credentials being in the waistline. Uh, you might even see a few gut check uh, special nominations as well during the show. Um, but look, this, it's going to be a lot of fun. We're going to talk talk fantasy sports. Something we do, we, we've done a lot in the past, but at this time, we're actually going to focus on one player to, that you need to follow and then one player that you really need to start fading. We look at last year. I called it last year with Russell Wilson being the guy to fade. Everybody thought I was crazy. Well, how'd your fantasy football teams do with Russell Wilson, ladies and gentlemen? That's right. Not too good. Um, so, look, here, here, here's where we're going. We're going to try, try to, try to uh, you know, capitalize on that again this year and see what we can come up with for some players to watch. Um, cannot wait for it. And DJ, I know you're going to get it on some of the fun as well. So um, we're going to we're gonna have a little bit of fun with these Fantasy Fridays. Absolutely. It should be fun. We can see which ones we hit on, which ones maybe not so much on, and then we can just kind of see how it works out. We'll definitely be doing some of our own Fantasy Drafts as well. So we'll be putting practicing what we preach in some cases if it is possible. So definitely looking forward to that as well. We thank you all so much for hanging out with us this week on the High Low Sports Podcast, whether you're watching us live or if you checked us out on one of your favorite podcast apps as well. We have, It's always a pleasure. NFL season's right around the corner, so you know we got a lot of fun coming up with that. But we thank you guys once again, and we'll see you all again next week.